every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft, the ever-important post-combine edition. We've got a few teams to run through today. Philly, Indy, Baltimore, and the Washington Redskins. But first, guys, want to spend about 20 minutes running through the combine takeaways. Every year we say the most important thing is medicals. They are, but invariably, some of the times... Some of the numbers, some of the weight, some of the heights, they stick. And uh, some perceptions change in some cases. And in other cases, you'd have guys that just flat out locked in their status. What I really wanted to do was just hit two things. Some guys that cemented their status and then some guys where you do feel like it, it really changed. Mel, I'll let you kick off here. Who, especially among your top 20, who really locked in? their status as a top prospect in this draft by, based on what they did in Indy? Well, I think Marshawn Lattimore, a corner from Ohio State. Uh, Miles Garrett, obviously the number one pick overall. So Garrett, Lattimore, definitely uh, locked in. I think if you go down the line a little bit, I, I'm going to skip a few guys, and Todd can have some of the guys maybe I missed here, but I think in the late first round, I had Zay Jones going to Kansas City, and Zay Jones has nailed the process. Uh, he's done a heck of a job throughout it. Hassan Reddick had the Pittsburgh. He's another one. Done a great job throughout the process. Evan Engram, old Miss tight end, could be maybe in a mixer to late first, early second. Long on arms, big hands, run 4-4-2 at 234 pounds. I like Carlos Henderson all along out of Louisiana Tech. I think he jumps into that second round next. He had a spectacular year catching the ball in the return game, great after the catch. So I think he made himself a guy that you could look at, as I say, in round two. Uh, Robert Davis, Georgia State productive year. Go back to the Wisconsin game. He had eight catches against Wisconsin and a touchdown this year. 67 catches this year. 61 last year. 52 years ago. Uh, 6'2 and a half, 219. Runs 4-4-4 with a 41 vertical. 222 career receptions. Robert Davis makes himself maybe a fifth round pick. What about you, Todd? Yeah, I think the two guys that I think have nailed the process the most, Mel just mentioned, Zay Jones and Hassan Reddick. I think those are two players that, if you had asked us six weeks ago, where <clears throat> excuse me, where they project, we we probably both of us and, and a whole lot of people in the league probably would have said, well, maybe somewhere mid rounds. And the way they both played at the Senior Bowl and, and what they did in terms of their production um, at the Combine was was really impressive. And they're both really good football players too. But I think that they those are guys that didn't play you know, always the elite competition, and so they were able to show against better competition at the Senior Bowl and then with their athletic and, and, and power traits that they have the ability to, to be really good top-end players at the next level. Um, I mean, there's so many guys to go through. I thought, yeah. you know, when you start to look at, at the defensive linemen, I thought oh, there were a lot of good workouts. To me, Tack McKinley running a 4-5-9 coming out of UCLA, whether he's a, an outside linebacker in a 3-4 or a, a defensive end and kind of and maybe a smaller 4-3 uh, front. I really think he fits best as a 3-4 outside backer. Running that 4-5-9 I think helped. He didn't have, you know, his numbers weren't all great, but I, I think that he had a, a strong day. John Ross was one of the 
stories of the combine at, at the wide receiver position. And and the good part with Ross is he's not he's not a guy that just out of the blue runs a great forty and all of a sudden people want to draft him. He was a first rounder going into the combine, and I think he moved up within the first round and is putting heat on Corey Davis and Mike Williams especially neither of which ran at the combine. Corey Davis didn't work out at all out of Western Michigan because he's he's battling and recovering from an injury, and, and Mike Williams is waiting for his pro day on March 16th, which is probably a smart move, even though people are looking and say, well, I, I told you he couldn't run, he's afraid to run, uh, but it gives him a couple extra weeks to train, and he can do it on his home turf, and, and, uh, and he'll go from there. So it'll be interesting to see because I really think Ross, with his explosiveness, his ability to get off the line, his ability to create separation in small spaces, and now knowing that it, it, it's funny, there's a difference between 4-4 four, four speed and 4-2 speed. And I, I know that everyone listening at home is saying, well, yeah, no kidding. But we specifically the night before were watching tapes of, of the speed receivers, guys like Carlos Henderson who ran a 4-4-6 four, four, and went through two or three guys and then put on John Ross. And while those all those other guys – were really good in terms of speed and explosiveness and could push the field vertically. Uh, Josh Mo was another one who ran the 4-4s four that we watched that night from Tennessee, and they, they all pretty much could help in the return game. He put on Ross's tape, and it, it's like five plays in. I was turning the guys and being like, this, this is different. It's yeah. a different speed. And so when, when he goes out and runs the 4-2-2 and, and sets the record, and it's great for his exposure and it's fun for the combine and it gave us something to talk about, but I think it matches up with what you see on tape. And uh, to say that is, you know, is, is an exception because you rarely see a human being that is that fast that can actually have functional football speed. And I think that's what makes him special. You know, with guys like 4-2 speed, you know, a 4-4 guy makes most guys look slow. A 4-2 guy makes fast guys look slow. I mean, it really is. It's a different right. number. Guys, I want to throw out just some names and, you know, because – you know, at the end of the day, as Todd said, there's 350 dudes there. We got a lot of numbers in front of us. I want some. I want to put some names and see. Uh, you know, people are really interested in kind of a mini mailbag here, and and we can kind of wrap up the combine by doing that. I'll start with you, Mel. Christian McCaffrey, did he lock up first round status? Yeah, I thought he was all along, and I thought with his versatility and the great kid he is and how he can help you so many ways in the NFL, so much uh, that he can do positively, uh, whether it be Kansas City, Green Bay, teams in the late first round. I don't know if he'll be there now or not, but I think he'll be in that general proximity of those two teams. So, yeah, I think if you had to project the first round now, I don't think you could leave McCaffrey out. Todd McShay. The quarter, yes, sir. The quarterback who helped his stock the most in Indy, in terms of where he will be drafted, you think is? I mm. thought Deshaun Watson had the best day throwing the ball, for whatever that's worth. It's against air. It's the receivers you don't know. It's without pads on. Um, but I would say helped the most. It might be Pat Mahomes or Nate Peterman. I thought, I thought Peterman really impressed us with his natural accuracy and anticipation. And the more, the more teams that, you know, the more time spent with teams, the more positive reactions I was getting when talking to guys at night. You know, from, from the NFL scouts to GMs, coaches, there's just a, a feeling that Peterman 
as the the mental wherewithal and just kind of the the it factor, if you will. Just when he walks in the room, he's got something to him, and and you can tell. It's very obvious that his passion for the game is there, and people who have done the history on him know that that's, that's the case. Mahomes is more confidence bordering on arrogance, which teams don't mind. Rather that way and have that more of that in him than, than be passive and, and question ability. And I also think just his, his natural arm talent and his ability to throw the deep ball really stood out as well. But the more I watch Mahomes, I mean – we can get into a long conversation on Mahomes. He's one of the most interesting film studies I've ever done. I watched three games, and I, I really didn't like much of it. And then I watched three more, and the Baylor game was his best game. And he did some, some other good things in other games, but that game was just was really impressive. And I know Baylor's defense stinks, but it had nothing to do with that. It was all just about his ability to throw up platform, drive the deep ball, and, and make accurate throws down the field. I've said it before, I think he's a cross between Brett Favre and Johnny Manziel. I mean, every play is just hold your breath. It's like a like a Hitchcock thriller. You don't know what's going to happen every single play. And so here's this guy who's got the size, he's got mobility, he's got probably the best deep ball accuracy in, in this class and can throw you know, the craziest off-balance throws I've ever seen, release points I've ever seen from a quarterback. And that includes Johnny Manziel, who did some real crazy, stupid stuff. But he also has no idea how to hang in the pocket and go through progressions. He's really hit and miss with his accuracy on short, intermediate. I mean, he missed five guys by five, seven yards on easy curl routes. And so, you know, there's a lot to work with, but there's a lot that has to be refined and developed. I, I think if he winds up, Probably a second-round pick, let's say. If he winds up with a team that has a, an established veteran like Green Bay or somewhere else where they can just put him in the witness protection program and develop him, I think there's a lot of upside in terms of what he can do in the future. But I, I don't, don't think that he's someone that you can even think about putting on the field at least for one year, probably for a couple of years. So you, you have to have a good plan with him. But I, I think Mahomes and Peterman were the two quarterbacks that probably did the most to help themselves there, even though – Trubisky and uh, Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Kaiser are still the the top three quarterback prospects. For you, Mel Kuyper, if you are picking for the Cleveland Browns at number one, are you sleeping a lot better knowing what Garrett did in Indy? Well, it's the exclamation point. I think, and Todd, we all look for guys who you love to really you know, have a great workout. And if you put his numbers up to Clowney's and, and uh, you know, Mario Williams, it's right there. Uh, his production when he was healthy, the way he could bend the edge. If you're Cleveland and you have pass rushers like Nassib and Ogba coming along and you add Garrett to the mix and that division with Roethlisberger, Flacco, and Dalton, it gives you, it puts you ahead of the game. Now you got to find a quarterback at some point, obviously. But the pass on Garrett after you passed on Wentz last year, uh, you know, now they're going to get offers. They're going to get an opportunity to move out of that first pick if they want. But they would allow somebody else to get Garrett. Do they want to do it? They allowed somebody else, the Eagles, to get Wentz last year. So I don't think they will. I think they have the 12th pick. Maybe they can address a quarterback there if they like one of the young guys. If they don't, they got to find somebody, whether it's Garoppolo, Glennon, somebody's got to become the quarterback there in Cleveland. But I think Miles Garrett solidly now is the number one player in this draft by a mile. Todd McShay, I'll just throw out a fun name, and I want to think if he changed his status for you. Curtis Samuel uh, kind of falls in that second tier of weapons 
and also kind of an offensive version of a Jabril Peppers. Not sure what to do with him. Is he as a running back? Is he a wide receiver? But obviously a big name, big name team in Ohio State. This guy ran the quietest four three one I think I've ever seen because it came within, you know, an hour of when John Ross went four two two. Curtis right. Samuel, are you pounding the table? I got to get this guy on my team, or do you still feel like it's it's a tough fit in some ways? What is he? I think he's a better slot receiver than running back, but I think he's capable of of handling the ball, and and I think you you probably have to manufacture touches for him. I was pleasantly surprised by his route running i don't think he's there yet but i think he has a natural feel for it setting up defenders getting in and out of breaks i i saw explosiveness and i saw shiftiness i don't to be quite honest with you i don't know that i saw a four three one speed no i know he's a track guy so maybe it was it was a little faster than than his play speed or maybe i just i've got to do some more work on him and figure out you know what i'm comfortable with but i, I certainly it helped i mean that there are so many guys that either cemented where they are or forced you to go back and look because they, they worked out better than what the, the numbers were. I mean, O.J. Howard, I think, cemented what he is at the tight end position as the number one tight end run that four five one. David Njoku ran a four seven zero, but his, his broad jump was exceptional, eleven one, almost a 38-inch vertical jump. I mean, those two guys really... I think cemented the fact that they're in first rounders at the tight end position. Whereas Evan Engram, who was more of a day two prospect and has had a great senior bowl and now goes and runs a four four five with a thirty six inch vertical and a ten five broad jump and the numbers he put up, uh, it won't shock me if he winds up sneaking into the to the bottom of the first. I mean, Ob Mellon Fonwu, the cornerback safety from um, I should say safety, who, who played a little bit corner, but but he's a safety prospect from Connecticut. Is another guy who cemented his standing in the top fifty picks and may sneak into the the late first at six four, two hundred and twenty four pounds. He runs a four four zero in the forty, has a forty four inch vertical jump, which is ridiculous, and an eleven nine broad jumps. Kuiper, what's with these Connecticut guys? That's I mean, amazing. it's freezing cold. It's not like you were in Florida or California, these track areas. These guys come out. We had uh, with Byron Jones yeah. a couple years ago. Has a what a twelve three sets the, no, the record. No, like the they're combine. spending twenty percent of their time yeah. on broad jumps. Yeah. Or Darius Butler for several years ago had some yeah. good workout numbers. So yeah, the Connecticut guys have done well. Randy Etzel started that program a long time ago. Now he's back, but uh, he, he started developing those kids and bringing them in. And uh, I thought T.J. Watt's numbers across the board, Todd. Uh, 6'4 yeah. and a half, 252, long arms, huge hands, runs under 4'7", 37 vertical, 10'8 broad jump for a guy off the edge, uh, can get after the quarterback, the bloodlines, the Watt name will certainly help him. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a late one early two. Uh, yeah, I think some guys that make you go back to the drawing board a bit is Shaq Griffin at Central Florida. Yeah, six foot, 194 with long arms. Runs under four four. You know, here's a kid that last year had four interceptions and fifteen pass breakups. Uh, you go back and watch him. He's going to put send people back to the drawing board. Other kids that, that need to run better at their pro day. Russell Douglas ran right around four six. Uh, he'll need to run better. Taco Charlton ran four nine two. I think it was Todd won him. Lorenzo Jerome yeah, four seven after one of those two All Star games with the two picks in each game. The safety from St. Francis, PA. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup with the 4-6. Uh, Rudolph four, with Florida State too, with the 4-6-5. That's, six, a, that's five. a red Isaiah flag Ford number. with the 4-6-1 at Virginia Tech. And then what about the last guy I'll throw out there on the opposite side, Jordan Willis. We talk about guys that I didn't think. I mean, I like the Tate. I see the athleticism. He's a smooth mover, really athletic in the, at the senior bowl, too, and some of the drills. But 6'4", 255. 
runs a 1-5-4. Just so people understand, the 10-yard split as a pass rusher, the elite level, I mean, there's studies done over history and a lot of guys that are your elite speed rushers, edge rushers, get 1-6 or better. And he had a 1-5-4, which is, I mean, it's one of the better times you'll see in years. 4-5-3 he ran, which is like a wide receiver, a lot of wide receivers running at 255 pounds in the 40-yard dash. 6-8-5 in the three-cone, exceptional. 39-inch vertical, exceptional. I mean, he just absolutely murdered the combine. Yeah, and pass rushers. And I didn't see that. I didn't see the same the same movement skills and explosiveness necessarily on tape, to be honest. So I've got to go back and, and do more of him. Yeah, the pass rushers, I, I think we point. talked a lot about them over the last few weeks, but Terrell Basham at Ohio ran well, tested well. Uh, Trey Hendrickson from Florida Atlantic, short arms, but ran well, tested well. Uh, Derek Rivers, Youngstown State, uh, 30 reps, 35 vertical, 4-6-1 at 6-3 and a half, nearly 250 pounds. Linebacker Alex Anzalone, Florida, 4-6-3. Uh, Vince Beagle ran well, tested well. Bowser ran well and tested well. So I, I tell you, you could go through so many names of guys that did really well uh, at the Combine. Uh, Garrett Bowles, the offensive tackle, under five flat, short shuttle excellent, 6'5", almost 300 pounds. So, and there are not a lot of offensive linemen. Antonio Garcia, solid workout at 6'6", 302, ran 5'1", 5, 31 vertical. So there you go. Taylor Moten from Western Michigan, long arms, 6'5", 320, with big hands, ran under 5'2", 30 and a half vertical. So uh, there were a lot of variety of kids at a, at a lot of positions that did a heck of a job at the Combine. Guys, let's put a cap on this because people want to know what you think, not just what you're hearing we got about two minutes here. Mel, Todd, I'll start with you, Todd. Tell me a player that you really liked that now, after the combine, you're ready to pound the table for. And it doesn't have to be a one, but maybe it's a sleeper. But just somebody you really liked, and now you're saying, see, I told you so. This guy's good. Um, I would go two guys. Carlos Henderson, wide receiver, Louisiana Tech. He had a 36-inch vertical, ran a 4-4-6, 10-11 broad jump. He's Really good in the return game, and and I think while he lacks great experience, he's only played wide receiver, I believe, three years. I think he was a running back coming in. Um, it has some maturing to do, but the dude plays hard. He's feisty. He blocks, and he can get vertical, and he also is one of the better run-after-catch receivers in this class. Um, then the other guys, Adam Shaheen from Ashland. We talked a bunch about him before. Really Huge. impressive on tape. He's got to improve. Ironically, he's six six and a half. Yeah, two hundred and seventy eight pounds. It's a massive. I mean, he's dude. pushing. He's pushing left tackle size. <laughs> but he's uh, he's got to improve as a blocker. But he he moves around on the field like he's like he's a, a jacked up wide receiver. He ran in the four sevens, which is outstanding for two hundred and seventy eight pounds. Had a thirty two and a half inch vertical, ten one broad jump. I thought he, he had a really good showing uh, in Indy this week. Mel, put a cap on it before we jump into teams. I think Joe Williams running back at Utah. He came out of retirement. He put up big numbers at Utah. You know, 5'11", 210, 4'4", 140, 35 vertical. Uh, you know, I thought Chad Hansen at 4'5", 3", coming out of Cal. ton of catches. Kind of made Davis Webb uh, the, put up the numbers he did. Was the key go-to guy in that Cal offense. 35 vertical, 4'5", 3", speed at six, almost 6'2", 202. And then Taewon Taylor. I liked him all year at, the, at, at Western Kentucky. Solid workout. I mean, he wasn't going to run 4'4". He ran 4'5", 11-0 broad jump. Excellent at 5'11", 203. Just a solid, reliable, consistent warrior out there 
there as a football player. So those are some of the guys on the offense. I mentioned some of the other guys defensively. Derek Rivers, Youngstown State, liked him during the year. I think he's got pass rush ability off the edge, gives, us, gives you some versatility. And with that kind of athleticism at 250 pounds with the length he has, I think Derek Rivers gets into the third-round discussion. That's the NFL Combine. Todd's got some new rankings up on ESPN.com. Mel's got some to come. Check it out there. We're going to take a break and jump into some of these team breakdowns, picks 14 through 17 in round one. But first, believe it or not, some people still don't get podcasts, why they're special, and even how to listen. You can help change that with a single click. Right now, think of someone you care about and ask yourself, what podcast would they really love? Got it? Now do it. Hit the share button on the bottom left of your screen. If they don't know how to listen, offer to show them how. Tell us what you shared with hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. Thanks for spreading the word. The Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles didn't have a first-round pick by virtue of a trade to get in position to get Carson Wentz. But now they have one again at 14, thanks to the Minnesota Vikings who now have Sam Bradford. Todd, they really, really, really need wide receivers. And Pierre Garçon was one that we'd heard about. Uh, But now it seems as though he's headed to San Francisco. Could it be an Alshon Jeffrey? Could it be a Kenny Stills in free agency? Hey, regardless, you don't want somebody else's wide receiver you're going to want to add a young one here is that where you're looking first for the eagles it's one of the spots uh i know you know brandon cooks they there was interest but yep. i also know that it just got too rich too fast and it just wasn't worth what uh what new orleans wanted or you know allegedly wanted so it's clearly a position they're looking to upgrade they've got to get went some, some weapons as you alluded to and and i think at 14 it's an interesting spot. I mean, let's see how Corey Davis works out and, and how everything goes moving forward. And, and the same for Mike Williams, if he's able to run a time where you feel good about him in the, the first half of the first round. And John Ross, I think, has put himself into into contention. It, middle of the first round, somewhere 14, wouldn't shock me if, if he wound up coming off the board right around there. So there, there should be a receiver, too. And I think cornerback is another spot that they could look as well. Um, it depends. Tease Tabor did not run well from Florida, which was really disappointing. I didn't think he was going to run great, but four six three, I think he ran in the forty, is is a real red flag number. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can improve upon that. Was there a reason, or is that just his true top end speed? And it's too bad because his tape is is really really good. I thought he was as good as anyone in this class in man to man coverage, and and also would support a little bit. So. Uh, he and, and Marshawn Lattimore, we talked about, I think, are the top two corners, and we've got a lot of depth behind those behind those two as well. So I, I think when they're sitting on the board at 14, they don't move around. To me, wide receiver and cornerback, there should be talent that matches that number 14 spot, Mel. Yeah, and one cautionary note on John Ross. We rave about the 4-2-2. Love the year he had. Uh, love everything about him. He had the unfortunate fumble against Alabama in the Final Four game yep. uh, when it was a 7-7 game. They were at midfield. That really cost them with the field goal to Alabama, and they didn't ever look back after that. But the injury factor, the durability factor. He's had the knee injuries at Washington. He's got the shoulder now. He's got to deal with. So keeping his 5-10 and a quarter, 188-pound flyer on the field is going to be the challenge for the team to dress him. Guys, lastly, uh, just on the Eagles here, you know, Carson Wentz, obviously they feel like they have their guy. Um, 
Do, do you, you know, we always say, okay, got to get him some young wide receivers. I tend to think that wide receivers, you know, that's that's not an easy one to just come in and, and come in and contribute right away. There's just a lot more complexity to it. Todd, you can put a cap on this. I mean, is that something, if you're running point there, if you're Howie Roseman, are you thinking, I don't know, I think we really have to do something in free agency and can't just assume that the draft cures the problem? You know, I think they're, I know they're active and they, they want to get the right price on, on players and, and not overspend. And I think that's the whole key. I mean, everyone wants to go out and get good football players. But, no, but the people who are smart and the people who are running organizations that continually are competing year in and year out are the ones that, that don't go and overspend. I mean, the, how many times the Patriots almost never overspend? I would argue that that is the best quality of Bill Belichick in that front office is that is the value that they get and the value that they understand that players are worth, you know, their ability to say, Hey, this player is only worth X amount of dollars and then to stick to their guns. And I, you know, the Packers are in it just about every single year because they, they rarely go out and spend money in free agency. Now it doesn't mean you can't. Now the Patriots have gotten to the point where they're having, it sounds like, you know, um, who would I hear now? Uh, Adrian Peterson is even saying, and Brandon Marshall, that they, maybe they would give, not hometown deals, but deals just to the Patriots and, and go in for cheap money just to go and play for a championship. So, I mean, that's a rare case. But I, I think I think when you look at teams in the league, they, they have to be efficient with the money they spend. I think I know that they would love to go out and get some players, and they're trying to, but I, don't, I think that they're committed to not overspending. And I think it'll be an interesting thing to watch this offseason because they, they've got a really talented young roster. They've got a really talented young quarterback to build around. Uh, they're trying to do the right thing by him, but they're also not going to go and, and get themselves into cap trouble uh, trying to go out and, and make a splash in free agency. It's just not worth it. The Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts obviously have to put uh, at least – some emphasis on defense. We've been talking about the offensive line pretty much since Andrew Luck showed up. That is still not a perfect situation, but the defense really fell off a cliff last year. Uh, you know, down there with the Clevelands and the New Orleans, just not a good unit. Uh, they, you know, Robert Mathis is officially gone now. So the years where Freeney was there and then gave, gave way to Mathis. So now they're even the pass rush is an issue. Mel, is that where your focus is on? And I think it's important to remember there's a new GM in town, Chris Ballard, who comes over from Kansas City where he'd been working with John Dorsey. So you're going to have a new emphasis there. But, uh, Mel, where are you starting as you uh, try to fix this thing? Well, you said the emphasis. Uh, think about Kansas City with Tom Bahali and D. Ford and pass rushers that they were able to bring in over the years off the edge. Justin Houston, when they had Houston and Holly, they still drafted D. Ford out of Auburn in the first round. Uh, they, they need help in a lot of places, but pass rusher. And, uh, Tack McKinley from UCLA, and I'll throw Hassan Reddick. I don't think it'll be too early for Reddick. Uh, it's at uh, that pick in the middle of the first round. Reddick at 6'1 and a half, 237 pounds, runs 4'5", 24 reps, 36 and a half vertical, 11-1 broad. Uh, that's just numbers, but it, when you go to the way he played at Temple with his hand on the ground and, and then the way he played at the Senior Bowl, and you factor this in, is it any separation between McKinley and Reddick right now? Is there any separation between Reddick and some of the other guys that we've talked about a lot through this process? No. And the way he's gone through the latter portion of the process when all the big-timers are watching, coaches, everybody's eyes are on your Senior Bowl week and combine, and this kid goes out and does that, then they'll go back to the tape and they'll like what they see. They'll like the interview. 
you. I think Hassan Reddick has put himself in the mix for the Indianapolis Colts in the middle of the first round. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really the spot. But do you think he can be a 3-4 outside backer? Is that where, yeah. where you want to use yeah. him, or is, or is he more going to be a an inside linebacker? I, you know, I, I personally think he can move around and, and play multiple roles. Yeah, kind I mean, of reminds you a little Lawrence Timmons proof. coming out of Florida State. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting with, with Reddick. And, again, you've got – if you're sitting there, you're Indy, you know you've got to continue to improve your offensive line, but that's probably going to be day two. I just don't see anyone at 15's work drafting. Frank Gore turns 34 in May. Can he t- continue to defy odds? I just don't think you can bet on it. And so this very talented running back class, you start to look at it and hopefully – you get into the th- second or third round, and there's a back there that, you, you know, like a Kareem Hunt, um, Deontay Foreman from Texas, Wayne Gallman from Clemson, some value in the third round, something like that in terms of a plan. So maybe it's, it's edge rusher first round if you're able to get the one you want. Offensive line running back would be the two other positions. I think in the next few rounds you could see the Colts attack. All right, Mel, cap the Colts. Who's your number one punter? Because Pat McAfee's gone. Got to drop a sports. Yep. The Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens. There's the ding. Todd, I'm going to let you get started here because I know somebody's going to finish it. <laughs> you know, wide receiver was an issue. Um, Jamison Ensley, our Ravens uh, NFL Nation reporter, mentioned both Pierre Garcon, maybe even a Brandon Marshall. It looks like those two are already spoken for in free agency with the Giants and 49ers. Could it be a Prince of Mukamara in free agency? Either way, guys that can catch the ball and guys that can defend those guys catching the ball seems to be at least one early priority in free agency. If that's not fixed, is that where you're looking in the draft? It could be. I think another edge rusher he certainly wouldn't shy away from. I don't know if Derek Barnett is high enough in terms of a grade, but it would be a good fit as a guy who can play defensive end and outside linebacker. I think it you know, his production at the college level is ridiculous. 33 sacks is a three-year starter there and 50, 52 or 53 tackles for loss. Um, and, again, like you said, it could could be wide receiver. They certainly could look for, for speed receiver. John Ross is a, a possibility. They need guys that can get down the field. Uh, will Corey Davis be there? So th- those are a couple names to look for. And corner is, is a, another area, as you mentioned, and, I think after the first couple, Marshawn Lattimore, Tease Tabor, if Tabor doesn't fall a little bit, Sidney Jones from Washington is a really instinctive playmaker. Tredavious White came on, had his best season this past year, solid size. Uh, I think those are the only two that you would say are, are worth drafting maybe that early. After that, guys like Quincy Wilson from Florida, Jordan Lewis from Michigan, Marlon Humphrey. To me, they're more later first, early second round. Yeah, I think corner and, and, and safety, Todd, I think it was the two areas where if they can get anything out of Bronson Kafusi, BYU pass rusher, injured last year, medical redshirt right. year, Kamale Correa, second-round pick out of Boise State. We'll see how he emerges after doing nothing as a rookie. So they hope to get something out of both or at least one of those two next year as second-year pros. Uh, the names you mentioned at corner would certainly make sense if they're there. And I think there's a chance that Sidney Jones, the corner from Washington, could be. He didn't test great. Lattimore tested a lot better. Uh, Tredavious White, you know what you get in there, just a solid, reliable football player out of LSU with the punt return ability as well. Uh, I think veteran 
veteran receiver, more so go all Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I'll see what happens with Terrell Pryor with Cleveland. I can't believe Cleveland would let Pryor go. Uh, Brandon Williams moves on, but Pierce had a great year as an undrafted free agent. They stole him as an undrafted kid last year. So I would think if it falls right, they got to help that secondary. They need a cover guy. Jimmy Smith's had injury issues. Heck of a corner when he's out there, but he's had injuries. Tavon Young, they feel real good about. But, you know, you need another corner. And they could use a safety as well. Uh, yeah, I think corner would be the position I would target in round, round one for the Baltimore Ravens. The Washington Redskins. Capping it off with the Redskins. Guys, going into free agency, the Redskins have Chris Baker, Ziggy Hood, Colin Jenkins, and Kedrick Golston up front. All his free agents. Don't know how many of those guys are going to be back. So the defensive line is something that will be, you know, both in free agency and, you know, the draft, something to look at, as it often is for most teams. But, you know, it looks like it could be also a situation where Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson are both gone. Garçon, certainly. Jackson, you know, we could hear his name linked to a team pretty quickly here. So who's going to catch passes? And obviously the long-term situation at quarterback is still up in the air. Mel, get us started in Washington. Where's your uh, where is your gaze here? Is it a best player available, or is there a need you think is pretty clear? Well, I can see Jay Gruden really liking Buda Baker, uh, the safety from Washington, who's he was really built for today's NFL. Uh, you know, is it too early for Buda Baker? Uh, he had a good workout. He had a, yeah. I mean, he ran well. Uh, he's a heck of a player. Uh, I would think if you're looking for the best pure football players in this draft, he would be one of the top fifteen or twenty. I believe next year when we're talking about the uh, the rookie big board, he'll probably be on it from day one. Uh, you know, that Josh Dotson coming off an injury uh, riddled uh, rookie year, so they hope to get some contributions from him. The Redskins do, but I would think. Safety, defensive liners, depth. They can get defensive linemen well into the third, fourth, fifth round this year. They they need to find an inside linebacker at some point. But I would think if, if you know, running back, I think they could be in the mix maybe for Joe Mixon second or third round from Oklahoma. We're getting a top fifteen, top twenty talent in the second or third round with Mixon. Uh, but I think Buda Baker, Todd, is a guy. I just think my gut feel on Baker is he's going to go in the first round somewhere. Yeah, I would agree. I think. You look at the, the height and the weight and you say, uh, what, you know, what can we do? And same with Tyron Matthew coming up. And, and this guy is running faster than, than Matthew did. And similar type playmaking instincts. You know, Matthew was rare, uh, but Buda Baker's always around the ball. But, you know, for just looking at, at Washington, four guys were set to hit or have hit free agency in, on a three-man defensive front. So defensive line will be an area that they look for. Inside linebacker. And, I don't think you have to – you're not going to spend a first-round pick on an inside linebacker unless Reuben Foster's sitting there and, and drops for whatever reason. Um, but, I, you know, Jared Davis from Florida, Zach Cunningham, Vanderbilt, Raekwon McMillan, who worked out better than we expected uh, from Ohio State, Kendall Beckwith from LSU, are all guys that could fit inside their scheme, and, and you can get second, third-round range. And I, I think with the defensive line, it, it's another area that you can probably, because of the depth, get some quality players like a Dalvin Tomlinson from Bama, Chris Wormley from Michigan, both of those guys fit. Carlos Watkins is a really good fit in terms of that 3-4 defensive front. So there are plenty of guys in the in the day two range, in the D-line, inside linebacker. If you do wind up going safety or wide receiver with that first pick, you'll be able to, to still get guys that you would expect to come in, contribute the first year, and, and become long longtime starters for you. Guys, we're going to go to the mailbag Tons of good questions coming in here after the combine. Mel, I'll get it started sure. with you. C. Henry at C. Hen 313. Mel, how's the wide receiver hierarchy going to play out now 
I think probably referring to Ross's blazing 40 and just his impressive combine overall. How many go in the top 15? Whew, top 15? Right now, it's iffy. Mike Williams still has to run. Uh, you know, yeah. Corey Davis, same thing. Ross did run, but he's going to have to have that medical check on the shoulder and the knee. Um, I'd say in the top 15, how many receivers go? Maybe two. I don't think three. I think Tampa Bay would be a great fit for John Ross to take the top off that defense. That's what they need, a speed guy for, for Jameis Winston in that offense. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tampa Bay move up from 19 to get Ross. Uh, you got Philadelphia picking in the middle of the first. They could look wide receiver. Uh, but I think, I think maybe Tampa Bay just doesn't sit at 19. Maybe they'd be aggressive there. They could maybe get Davis falling to him. Ross falls to him. Maybe somebody does. Williams, if he doesn't run well. Uh, I'd say in the top 15, Todd, if I had a gun to my head right now, I'd say one or two. Yeah, I'd say, I would set the over-under at one and a half if I was Vegas. All right, here we go, Todd. Kenneth Krell at Texas Sports. Todd, if you were the GM of the Titans, Brandon Cooks, is he worth the number 18 pick or – do you just sit there and hope that John Ross is available at number 18? Hmm. That's a good one. Males stepping up their game a little bit. Yeah, that's a good one. I I think I would I think I would keep the pick. I worry here's what I worry the Saints do a great job of manufacturing catches and making receivers. I'm not saying Brandon Cooks is overrated. I'm not. No, I'm just saying it's kind of like with the Patriots where some guys leave and, and don't have the same success other places. I feel like with pass catchers in the Saints system, I, I just don't trust that they're truly as good as the, the production, the numbers they're putting up. So I, I don't know that I would fall into that trap. It would be awfully tempting, though. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, you are talking about a system where, you know, Drew Brees is throwing between 4,800 and 5,200 yards now a year, kind of on average. It's just the, the targets, the volume, the numbers, frankly, it's just a fantasy realm. And, yeah, it would be hard to trust. Cooks has also had a knee uh, in Al Michaels' parlance. So, hey, Mel, Dylan Miller at Coach Joker 54. Dream scenario for the 49ers if they decide, no, we're not taking a QB. At number two, I assume he means. Well, if you're not taking a QB at two, all right, then you're probably at number two. You know, you think about who teams would want at that point, who they would want. Uh, you know, where do you go? You're not taking take a defensive lineman from Oregon the last two years, so you're not going to look at Jonathan Allen there. Uh, yeah, I look at San Francisco and say, okay, offensive line, there's nobody to consider there. Uh, you know, corner, it's too early. I think, even though I love Marshawn Lattimore, you're going to take him at two. If you're not taking a quarterback, you don't like Watson or Trubisky. And, and Garrett goes one, and I'm San Francisco. I'm listening to some offers. I've been thinking about this a lot. It sounds well, like there's no dream scenario. if Garrett, Unless Garrett is somehow there, there's not a great scenario for them to just love the value at two. Am I wrong? I think if you're at two, Todd, if you're at two yes. and, you're not, and Garrett's gone and you don't like either quarterback, that picks for <laughs> and, sale. And you've already drafted defensive lineman, yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah, with Armstead and, and, and the other. So, yeah, with, with the you've, sign you've done that, that. You've gone point, yeah. that route the last two years. You're not taking Jonathan Allen. So I would say, hey, I'd shop the pick. Yeah, I would absolutely shop the pick. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Are they going to be able to land Kirk Cousins and, and quote-unquote solve that problem? You know, at the quarterback position, or will they still be staring at a huge quarterback void when they when they get to the draft? I think that will determine everything. And if you're stuck there, and let's say they, 
Well, I, I wonder what will Kirk Cousins? How will that work? What will that cost? I'm asking. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Cousins will leave in Washington this year, Todd. I, I just would be shocked at the end. Of, I know the rumors are out there. It, as well. it sounds, yeah, it sounds like you trying to make a push, but I, you know, I tend to agree with you. But I'm just curious what that would cost. Yeah, I, I don't guess know. basically I said, my question yeah, is, yeah. would that cost the number two pick? Yeah, and people would say, why not? We go back to people say, well, if you have Jonathan Allen so high, you all love John. Why not? But they took Armstead and Buckner, so they're not, not going to go that route there. So the best scenario would be the best scenario. Todd is love one of the two quarterbacks and take them. If you yeah. do love one of the two quarterbacks, <laughs> right. I'm not saying they do. I'm saying if you right. did love one of the two quarterbacks then that's the best scenario because then you can have somebody to be the bridge to that quarterback. Wait, you got a young coach, a young GM, new GM with five, six-year deals, no pressure to win right away, no pressure to have that quarterback on the field right away, whether it be Watson or Trubisky. So if they do feel, Shanahan does, that one of these two quarterbacks is the guy I really want to be tied to me and my GM, John Lynch, for 10 years, and we can win a Super Bowl or two with that quarterback. If I have strength in that conviction and I'm strong about that, then I'm taking one of those two quarterbacks. Yeah, and Mel, since you always say – Best pick is always to trade down. I mean, another dream scenario here, frankly, is somebody else falls in love with one of those two quarterbacks right. and thinks the only place to get them is, is there, too. So, yeah. I mean, anyway, it is a pretty interesting question. Todd, you saw him a lot this year, so I'll start here. Mads Paragard, I can't even pronounce your name, dude. I'm sorry. At Mads DK Falcons. Is Jabril Peppers a fit at free safety for the Falcons in their cover three? Kind of interesting. No. Falcons obviously drafting a little bit later, but I don't know. He's uh he's not a free safety. He's got he's yeah, and he's not a that. line he's not a linebacker. He's a strong safety. I think his greatest asset right now, honestly, is punt returning. I sat down and watched five games the other day because I really struggled. I've really been struggling. You know, I, I went to all these games and saw him live this season and watched him tape on their defensive scheme and preparing, and, and he was making – he makes flash plays, flash plays here and there, flashes. He's great in the return game. He comes in on offense. He's playing 100-plus snaps a game. He has great energy. He loves the game. He works hard and all, like, all that other stuff. But when you sit down and really study the tape, I gave him about a second, third-round grade based off of last year's tape coming in the year just at safety. It was first year as a starter because he has some tightness and some awareness issues in terms of space and, and when he's in a lot of space and covering. When he's in man-to-man, he's probably a little bit better against tight ends than he is like playing the, the deep half or the, the deep third because he's able to get physical, but he's going to have to do a better job of reading receivers' routes because right now his first move is just to hug guys. And he gets really handsy and grabby with them as they get down the field, which you can get away with if the ball's not in the air in college, and you can't in the NFL. So that's that. Then you look at him as a linebacker playing inside the box and around the box, and he will make some splash plays, as I said, because he does a great job of getting off of blocks real quickly using his quick hands, and then will we'll slip a block and then go has the speed to close and make a, a tackle for loss. But then there's also a... For every one of those, there's 10, 12 plays where he's not involved at all. He's dancing around. He's, he's trying to figure out where he can slip a block and go. He's getting out of position and, and causing some gap integrity issues for the defense because he's trying to slip a block and all of a sudden someone's coming outside when he should have had contain. He can't t- take on blocks. He pile inspects at times, and he's not quite as physical as I was expecting to see when I truly sat down and just watched him 
as a player for five games. So, as a lot of people in the league have been telling me, I would overrated his ability. I think he has a chance to be a good player, but I think he has to be used in a very specific role and will have to be protected. And I just don't know that he's worth a first round pick. And I, well, I can't believe I'm his versatility. It. His versatility was great, but his versatility worked against him because he never defined a position. And it, to, to me, moving around as much as he did, offense punt returns, all the different things they were asking him to do, he was not able to focus on one thing. And his mind, his head was spinning. He was obviously doing a lot of different things, so much on both sides of the ball. Rare versatility. We don't see it that often. Even in college, a kid do as much as he did. One career interception, that's it. That's the issue. Where is he going to fit into the NFL team? With Tyron Matthew and and Dayon Buchanan and those guys, He's not Dayon Buchanan. Dayon Buchanan will stick his nose in and take on it. I, I gave the, comp- the that comparison for a while because he was a safety-playing linebacker and similar size and all that. They are completely different players now that I've gone and really studied every and single Buchanan look and play offense, return. He didn't do all the right. things. And Buchanan, the difference was Buchanan and Matthew both had great ball production. Right. They turned the ball over. So now you're getting a player that you're not exactly sure where to play him. Those guys, you can say, you know what, just throw them on the field. They're so instinctive, and they get to the ball, and they make plays when they have opportunities to on the ball, that it kind of doesn't matter. You just, all right, we'll play him, and we'll figure it out. With Peppers, all right, what, he's a really good athlete, and he has great stamina, and he, and he wants to be great, and he makes some flash plays, but I don't know that I'm getting a guy who's turning the football over. I don't know that I'm getting a guy that can really legitimately hold up in the box, and I've got a guy who can cover in certain situations, but is a liability in others. So... He is a he's as tough as it gets, especially right. because he's such a big name, high profile guy. I, it's hard to say, but I really think he's he's not worth the first round value. Well, he's a wild card. And I, my question would be is if he would have played no offense, forget mm-hmm. punt return, forget all that, just define a position and play one position only. Where would right. he be right now in his career? We don't know that because he didn't. Okay, so that's the issue with, like I say, his versatility was great, but it worked against him in terms of developing into a defined NFL highly rated prospect. So what you have to do now is say, where will he be when we define a position and we let him just focus on that? And if you say second round for him, he ain't getting past the second round. He may end up in the late first. Somebody's going to take this kid and figure out a way to utilize all that talent. I agree with you, Todd. There's holes, but the holes were created, and the issues you're talking about were all created because he never had one spot to worry about only. And here's the other thing that's that's really hard for me. Jim Harbaugh compared him to said he's the, the most has the highest football IQ of any player he's been around since Andrew Luck. And Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, if you go look over the last few years, I think he's had the, the best scoring defense in college football two of the last three years and has been in the top five each three all three years. He's been around forever and he is one of the, the great defensive minds in, in college football and obviously is is at Michigan for a reason. And he says that he's as instinctive a player he's ever been around. But I watch the tape and I see a guy who doesn't have great awareness in one area and is late diagnosing a play in another area. And it's just, it doesn't match up. So I'm, I don't know. Again, it's very difficult. I think in terms of the classroom and preparing, I think he's great. I think when you get on the field, there's some areas because of the lack of game experience and because he's doing so many different things that he's just not, dialed into what he should be doing on at that specific role as much as he should be for a player who you talk about in the first round.
Well, you, well you know what it is, Todd. When you go out and you buy a house and you say, oh, "Well, I got to, I got to do redo the kitchen. I got to fix yep. this. I got to fix that." But if I get it at this price, I can do that work. So with Peppers, if you get him in the second round and you can spend time and figure at him out. If you take him in the first, there's too many issues. So again, this is when you buy is just as important as who you select. And in Peppers' case, when a team buys him, will probably be at a point where they feel comfortable with all those negatives because of all that versatility, which in the end worked against them. Yeah, and ultimately, you kind of hope it works out for Peppers for a couple reasons. One, you know, they needed him to play linebacker last year, and he was willing, and he stepped up, and he played a role that probably confused, you know, essentially the scouting on him. And two, you know, he he made it further confusing when at the combine he worked out with both. You know, he, he was in with the linebackers, he was in with the DBs and safeties. So it's a process. That's why we give these teams a couple months before they have to put in a card. Mel, Todd, thanks for hopping on. Got through the Combine, got through the Eagles, Colts, Ravens, and the Redskins, and a whole bunch of mail. Um, and we will do it again next week when we'll look at the draft. will change a little bit, I'll tell you that. I mean, we always say it's best player, but it changes a little bit after free agency really gets cranked up. And a lot of these needs that we talk about so much have shifted. Uh, we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.